having that exposure to new experiences and that comes from a place of curiosity that automatically puts you in a state of discomfort. And me being in discomfort is so natural to me. I'm almost always in a place of discomfort. So to narrow it down to one where that has been the most fascinating, I would say it's dancing because say good afternoon and for those of you watching this at night or in the evening or in the morning welcome to social confos for everybody listening to this as well in the, the recording thank you again for taking your time to have social convo with me and diego What's up, hey, diego? hey hey it's going good you just asked me if i'm ready and actually i forgot my jacket i wasn't ready but who cares oh, okay, we'll just okay. roll with it <laughs> why why do you need a jacket in the afternoon I don't, but it's for the look. I've had uh, that jacket on consistently every show, but we'll make an exception this okay, time. Okay, we'll make an exception. We'll make an exception this time. It's part of the brand, and we will probably dive deep or touch on that in a bit with uh, our guest. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. So feel free to introduce him. Yeah, anyway, so we're back to an afternoon episode, and today we have with us. You'll probably tell us a, more, a little bit more about this, but Ramiro, and we asked him how to introduce him. He just said Ramiro, branding like a Madonna, and he'll tell us more about that in a bit. But he's the creator of the Story Legacy podcast, Story Legacy by Ramiro.me, and we'll probably dive into that. We actually met over, I think, a month ago. Funny story here, Shanduk. So. We had an episode with John Olson on, you know, the, the Hive blockchain and everything that. So a few days after that episode launched, I got an email from Ramiro telling, hey, he was really interested, checked out the stuff. And little did I know he was also in the scene, creating podcasts, creating content. And he told me, yeah, he's here in Suriname now, currently uh, planning to move around a bit. But he'll tell us more about this story. But I don't want to... Uh, divert too much into that. He did say we met like six, seven years ago, briefly at somewhere in Torarica, but I had no idea what he was talking about. But without further ado, Ramiro, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Diego. Hey, Jean-Luc. So welcome to the show. I have to say, uh, Gregory is normally the sound guy. So he's going to tell us how crisp your sound is, because from what I hear, your sound is really, really crisp. No, it's really bad because I'm like in an open space. I got birds on the background, sometimes dogs be barking. So it is really, really bad. If you want to make it more sexy, then I can do this. But then for the for the video, it's not that sexy. You have this white thing <laughs> in my face. But I I bet it improves the audio quality or not. What like with the white thing in my face, without the white thing in my face. There so, is a noticeable yeah. difference. Yeah, but right. It, it's workable. Yeah. It's, at least you have a, a mic. And quick uh, note there, Shanduk, that timestamp of Gregory was an hour ago when I scheduled this session. So he tuned oh, into really? YouTube <laughs> an hour ago waiting for us. No worries, Greg. Um, 
you'll probably tune in again in a second. So we, let we, us have know. That, we have that on Thursday. On Thursday for the for the Lucky D show, we always have a couple of people that when it's scheduled into YouTube, they keep on commenting before the show actually starts. It's kind of, it puts like a little bit of, of, of a pressure on you, you know? But, but, but Ramiro, tell us, tell us a little bit more about you. You're the second person to put in the website as the name as well. So I think that's a, a really good sign because if you go to ramiro.me, we can actually book you for a session, right? So mm -hmm. maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your backstory, where you're from, and, and of course, how, how come you're now in Suriname, actually? So what's the relationship between you and Suriname? So that is such an ironic question. I'm born and raised in Suriname. <laughs> now, Diego said a few things, right? Like, that's part of the answer to why I just go by Ramiro. So one of the things when I meet people, so I look very Asian, and so people expect me, me to either be either Chinese or from the Philippines, depending on where you're at. And then I have a name like Ramiro, and they're like, but wait, that sounds so Spanish. And then they hear me speak Dutch with a Surinamese accent. And then they go like, but you're not black, you're not you're not Indian, because like in Holland, people, if you're from Suriname, they either assume you're from African descent or from Indian descent, especially in The Hague. So that's got people wires all crossed up because they put you in a, try to put you in a box and, but wait, you don't fit any of these boxes. So that's one thing on ethnicity and culture. Then to make things even more complex with the long hair, and I have a very developed feminine energy. People sometimes get confused. They go to me, they look like, are you a man or a woman? I start laughing. They say, oh no, I see you out of apple, you're a man. Then, so that's the other. And then I speak about six languages. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a whole nother conversation. But I was born and raised in Suriname. My dad's side, grandma and grandpa from China, fresh off the boat. And my mom is from Colombia. So that is what we call, what they call in cultural studies, they call that cross-culture kids. It's when, yeah, you, you get exposed to two or more cultures and then a, a, a different new culture arises that doesn't really fit in any of the two. So that's a kind of a little intro and to make things even more complex, I have lived in Holland for about 10 years. So I really learned to speak with a Dutch native accent and my vocabulary has changed. So when I do that, people go like, well, wait, you sound Surinamese, but your vocabulary is weird. So the, it, the wires just get crossed. And how I learned English from Disney Channel and Cartoon Network. So I have a very American accent. I'm trying to put on a British accent, some words, get in with a British pronunciation, but then it gets into this new morph accent, which you can't really play. So that's why people often assume that I'm from the US, but I have visited a bunch. I have some friends there, but yeah, that's a little intro backstory. Oh, I love it, man. I really love it. So I'm now kind of in the decision-making process, whether we should continue on talking about the Colombian side or talk a little bit of Cartoon Network. Diego, are you also the Cartoon Network age or not? I've watched it every now and then when it came on, but I was more of a Nickelodeon kid. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, Cartoon Network was like <laughs> insanely big year, I think late 90s as well. So what's your favorite Cartoon Network show? Do you remember 
like from from back in the day what's what was the favorite one well not cartoon network my favorite anime was dragon ball z with goku in original japanese of course you know and from that i i i have watched it years years later in my 20s and the one japanese word i learned from that series was otosa because gohan is always calling his father otosa otosa so that's what i learned but cartoon networks the ones that i remember are ed, ed and eddie johnny bravo and you had freak so but that might have been warner brothers so johnny bravo and ed, ed and eddie yeah i think it was on cartoon network as well okay okay, okay. yeah so so to quickly transition in because there's a, a lot of things that are fun about it but what's the colombian side of you what's the thing that like i mean the asian the chinese Surinamese mix living in the netherlands yeah that's pretty common that's 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 common but the colombian mix is like also kind of an, another side with which the spanish comes in as well of course so what's kind of the the thing that the colombian side of you that's really like this i really love where most Surinamese will be like okay so what's that exactly this is the irony. So in Suriname, there, at least when I grew up, there were very few of those combinations, specifically like Colombian, Asian. There were like six families or so. Six, very few, very, you, you basically all of them. And this is the thing. I, my mom, she has no family here. So my exposure to the culture of Colombians only through my mom, my Spanish isn't the best. So I speak Surinamese, Dutch, English, fluent. And then, then comes like Spanish is like 80%. I still make a lot of mistakes. I speak Papiamentu and then Mandarin's my worst. That's, that's my worst. How did you learn Papiamentu? I had a girlfriend and I didn't even intend to learn Papiamentu. It's just, you know, there's some things in that language. I just love to say it just has this emotion to it. For example, sweetheart, you say dushi mami. You know that douchey mommy, no worry, turta bong. It's it's it has it has that it's kind of that sing songy flow from Brazilian Portuguese, and I love that. That's one thing, another language I want to add to the list, but I don't get a chance to practice Portuguese. So that's how I learned like certain bits and phrases. Oh, what does this mean? What does that mean? And at one point, I could just bam learn it. I didn't intend to learn it; it just happened one day. Very, very interesting because Papiamento is from like Curacao, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, they speak it on the islands, yeah. but they have slight variations in each one of them. Also, the spelling, like in Aruba, it's more sing songy, and in Curacao, it's a little bit more fierce and more taka 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 taka. It's uh, yeah, there's a, I'm not too well versed in it to really make that big distinction, the clear distinction, but there are some distinguished. And if you ask, if you set, tell people from Curacao or Aruba that like it's the same. Some people get no, 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 no. no, no, no. We're not the same. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, with every language, true. I guess. That's every true. localization have every place has its localization and its dialect and its personality. And as an outsider, you often take that for granted and you don't know the nuances between them. So that that's quite interesting in languages. But very interesting story of how you you know. The, the origins, but also moving to the Netherlands, living there, working there, and now you're back here for... We, we, we met up before, talked a bit what your plans are, but we actually have a few are from Curacao here. And oh, really? Yeah. 
uh, Anil, and he says, Papiamento has the base mostly in Portuguese. So as you want to learn Portuguese, maybe that's a natural, you know, segue to, into learning the language, having a front runner in Papiamento and maybe, you know, going both ways. But very interesting story. And I want to transition from, you know, the, the experiences you've had abroad here. Why are you actually back in Suriname now after having lived so long in the Netherlands? And yeah, what's the story where Ramiro is at currently? I've seen you do the podcast. I've seen you gone into content creation. And we'll talk about the content creation part a bit later. But what's the story here and now in Suriname? All right, uh, that's pretty simple and quick. But just to finish off Jean-Luc's question, that exposure to the Colombian culture it was very limited. I've only visited Colombia like once. So one of the so in answer to your question, Diego, for next steps, that's one of the reasons why I want to visit and live in Colombia for three to six months to really get that Colombian accent and still the Colombian accent. You have different regions and it's still so diverse. So that is, uh, I'm not sure yet when or how that will happen, but that's one of my next steps. I don't, yeah, and I, again, I don't know when and where, but Colombia, definitely, I want to be three to six months. Now, on your question, why am I in Suriname? Well, I was in Holland. Holland wasn't my favorite place. Either other reasons for going there, and even in the, in the years that I lived there, I was pretty, like, sometimes half of the year, three to six months, I would be traveling. I'd be either in Suriname, a month in the States, or a few months in on Aruba. I had some family there, or even just visit Curacao. So I'm always often traveling. Most bits, I don't really stay stationary in one point. Even in Holland, the past eight years, I had moved eight times. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I lived in The Hague, three different locations. I lived in Leiden, three different locations. I lived in... Almira as well. So that is, yeah, it's a, it's a, a quality I have that it's, I'm very, uh, this goes into like the Asian eight words, fortune telling, you know, which element you are. So yeah, but well, that's not a sidetrack. Coming back to your question, why I'm in Suriname, it's just clearing some energy. So another thing is I am clairvoyant and I'm developing those clairvoyant skills. That basically means that you can see things and just get insights from that it's intuition through seeing that's what clairvoyance is basically means and one of the things that i've really been into energy work and clairvoyant work in the past two years i would say and that's where i got certain clarity that there's some things unresolved of the past of my dad my dad passed away in 2017 and you know losing people is always tough and especially parents and stuff people that close and it's uh and that was such a mess with the whole inheritance thing and i there was so you there it was such a headache to get everything arranged from hospital things from funeral things from then the inheritance stuff you don't have space to grieve and it was in 2020 three years after when i finally healed part of that grief and for the first time I I cried up I cried and teared up because of my dad passing and so that was that was a, a big healing in 2020 for me now this year early this year around January I realized you know that inheritance thing 
I want to resolve it and move on. So that's why I came here to Suriname to resolve that, clear that out before then. So then I have a clear slate, no baggage for moving on to the next place. And the next place, I don't mean the hereafter, I mean like Curacao. So that's the main reason. And things in Suriname with COVID, oh, things go so slow. I first thought, all right, it'll be three, six, maybe eight months. The day I got here with all the whole lockdown, I was like, I need to take the whole eight months to, to, to clear this all out. So yeah, that's that's what's up and we'll see what happens. But no matter what, January, I'm going to the next place because yeah, I have my tolerance of um, Surinamese customs and mindset because mine has developed so much. Eh? I never really felt aligned with the local customs. I did adapt and adopt some of them, but they have since evolved Yeah, from all my exposure to US culture, Asian culture, European Holland culture. So that's, that's a little answer to your question. Which of these cultures would you say has most impacted you in the way and then specifically in the way you're thinking because you're very you know articulate on okay by january i'm gonna hear and you're very able to make this snap decision okay time to move especially with having to move so many times where does that come from do you think that 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 doesn't come from a specific culture in terms of ethnicity or geography or country that i believe comes from a spiritual background now, what, that, what does that mean? Like for, to me, spirituality, the focus of it is to discover purpose, be on purpose, be in purpose, live in purpose. But just more tangibly, like we have the three bodies. We have the physical body, we have the energy body, and then we have the spirit body. Now, these things, how I see it, they shift. They keep on switching, switch shifting. And you often, they're in misalignment. And that's when we get frustrated. That's when we say... We want to do something and we don't. We put it off, right? Now, having that clear alignment when you have that intuition from the spirit body, going to the energy body, go and then being connected, put it, executing it in the physical body. That is what I believe that comes from, from being able to make a decision to, well, having that intuition and then make a decision and then go into action. So intuition, decision, action. And I didn't always used to be like that. And I'm getting into that more and more. And that is exactly the reason why the podcast show that I started, within one week of intuition, it came into fruition. Within one week. And that was like super fast for me as well. So that's, uh, yeah, that's my little insight on that. So I, I do want to jump into that because... I think it's a very particular skill to be able to do that. And what I always wonder is, especially in relationships, it could be like a marital status, but also just in relationships with friends, family, the people around you. To what extent is it something that changes over time that you shift from one style to another? Or is it something that basically you get caged into a relationship where you kind of make a compromise not to move as freely due to the fact that you want to spend more time with somebody else. Let me see if I get your question right. So mm. when you say move freely, you mean like move places? Yeah, exactly. Mm. 
Got it. That's another big reason why I am in Suriname right now. I had not seen my 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 family, my mom, my brother, my niece for two years, and it was I, I had that 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 need, that longing to to see them. Now, when we talk about like a partnership in terms of romance and having that match, when <laughs> you want to be more adventurous and more flexible. And they are, they have a different personality where they're more settled and grounded into one place and into one routine. I remember one, someone once told me this, like, see, she, she said, she shared this with me is that there are certain non-negotiables in terms of the relationship that has to work. Otherwise it will be so difficult. And that is the place where you want to live, especially when you have an international expat community and for example, living in Holland, you live in Amsterdam and one is from Poland and the other one's from Spain, you get that cultural mix, right? But then where do we call home? Do we want to go back to Poland? Do we want to go back to Spain? Do we want to sell in, in, in Amsterdam and London? Where do we want to go? And that's one of the fundamental things to relationships, kind of like kids. Someone wants kids, the other doesn't want kids. That's like so fundamentally, if that is in misalignment, it's going to be pretty hard to to make that work so one is having that understanding right on um, but it all comes down to awareness because most people don't even know what they want and how what their preference is do I like to move do I want to live abroad do I want to always stay here some people are very clear and others are just not aware so that's one of the fundamentals awareness but then you come to a later phase. For example, when I look at, I have a cousin, right? They've been married for, I don't know, 10 plus years, but they're in their 50s and 60s. Now they're from, it's all mixed. One is really Surinamese, born local, have li has lived in Holland for I'm 40 years now. The other is this whole other mix from Asian Surinamese, but also lived in Holland for 40 years. So it's this other dynamics. But one wants to really move back to Suriname and spend the rest of the years here. Now, she, the, their kids are in Holland, so she wants to kind of go back and forth, but being able to make that decision. And at, at one phase, like the kids, they're all grown up, they're out of the house. So they're in a different phase in their relationship. So then even if like, they, and I see this with people who are 50, plus older and they have had that 30, 40 year old relationship where it's okay if they're living apart in another country for a few months. And then after six months, you, you see each other again, because then you really learn to become yourself and be yourself also in the relationship and give the other person space to be who they are and still have that commitment towards each other. So that's kind of my little insight and perspective on that at this point, but like, I don't have those 30, 40 year relationships. No, so yeah, I'm talking from what I see, not from my own personal experience. So I, I quickly want to jump into another segue of something you mentioned, because you mentioned like knowing what you want. And a lot of people don't know what they want. I think one of the, the, the issues that we often see in Suriname is that we get boxed in. So we, we think within our borders. And so what advice would you give to somebody who has not been fortunate enough to study abroad, to live abroad, and they really want to figure out what they are about and what they want to do and what they actually enjoy. So starting that process of finding your inner self, where, where would one start? Yeah, you don't have to go abroad. It's actually 
that inner journey. And there are so many different spiritual practices, right? And one of the biggest things I believe is to just explore. One simple thing is, for example, even though we have a very diverse culture here in Suriname, people are still very segregated. They get exposed to different cultures, but only from their own circle, right? For only from their own ethnic group. What does not happen is in immersion. Ever since I was a little kid, one of my best friends, he has a like Indian background and I was immersed. I was like a kid at their home, right? So I would learn certain customs and that would influence me in a different way. And I also had other friends who had a um, mix of background from African, European descent mix, right? So, and also being a, a son at their home, I was also exposed to different family values and I'm still learning and still, but the key is to be, to want to explore, be it within or without, but also really get immersed and be open to be influenced. So that is just one example, practical example on how to really raise your awareness in just exploring and learning really what other people are like. Because you, of course, everybody knows someone from another ethnic culture, but how deep do they really know them in the sense that how deep are they immersed in that culture? We know on the surface level, but we still judge it from an outside perspective. So I believe that's one of the key things. And nowadays, even, even when I, nowadays we have internet, right? And it's fairly fast. There's so much, there's a whole world online you can, that you can access through, be it, be it spirituality or any creativity. So that is not, borders don't have to be a limitation. That's one. And my first exposure to that other culture was, again, Cartoon Network and Disney Channel. So that's very US-centric. Oh, and Dragon Ball, you got the Japanese side as well. But even through that, and I was fortunate enough to have cable, but anyone who had a television who had electricity, I mean, like, Goku was on 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 channel four every day at four. So there's there's no excuse. But but the the core fundamental thing is the willingness to to grow and put yourself out there to explore and be in scary, uncomfortable situations. This is one of the reasons why I actually like Yes Theory. The guys from Yes Theory seek discomfort. What you mentioned there, like. Um, looking for these uncomfortable situations, be it personal growth. I, I think that is something that's applicable for any type of growth. I think that the moment you go out of that comfort zone is the moment growth starts. And that is actually why I actually lost my train of thought there. <laughs> because uh, of this comment from Gregory here. Bro is talking like he's the avatar, he loves it. So may maybe the next hairdo would be an arrow on your head for uh, people to recognize you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, c coming back to that part of spirit of growth, the spiritual growth and actually getting out of that comfort zone, it's, it's very, yeah, interesting. And that's, I think that a lot of people have problems with finding that because that thought growing up in security, safety, and box limitations, kind of like societal boundaries, artificial boundaries that have been set by society, by the communities you grew up in, and not go going out of the borders itself, but going 
out of that community would be another step already just moving to another neighborhood or something to make that even more micro a micro step would help tremendously i think environment matters i agree and you know going outside of the borders like guyana and french guyana aren't that far apart right and even curacao you don't need a visa to go to Kuwait. Okay, you need money to buy the ticket. And nowadays, I don't know if you can swim there, but th- it, there are possibilities. The first thing is being open, making that decision, and then comes that faith and belief to really go and execute it. But basically, try shit out. Make a decision, try shit out, learn learn from it. <laughs> and that's how you grow. That's that's what I do. So what what's the, the most fun out of your comfort zone experience that you can remember i know i'm throwing this off the bat diego this is for you as well the most the most discomfort that you seek that you can remember i'm gonna think for for myself as well if i do i remember there's so many so the thing is when people talk about you have to go out of your comfort zone right going out of i don't i i don't fo- even though i mentioned that i don't focus on i have to put myself outside of my comfort zone i i focus on Ooh, I want to explore that curiosity. And that actually came from my mom. She taught me this one thing, and that is everything you learn in life is yours to keep. And in Dutch, she says, Alles dat je leert is meegenomen. And so I translated to that. Everything you learn in life is yours to keep. So learn everything. So growing up, I was first in sports, I was I would swim. I then did, did taekwondo. I did basketball. Then I did some kickboxing. Then I went some swimming again. And then I did some basketball. I did some ping pong. I even dabbled in volleyball. And I was learning also instruments like the the keyboard, which I hated, the guitar, which I hated. And now I want to learn it. But it's the, having that exposure to new experiences and that comes from a place of curiosity that automatically puts you in a state of discomfort. And me being in discomfort is so natural to me. I'm almost always in a place of discomfort. So to narrow it down to one where that has been the most fascinating, I would say it's dancing. Because as a little kid, I was really insecure. I was an insecure, shy kid. And that started to change around the age of 11 when i went to after elementary school right to to middle school that's when it started to change and even during high school i i learned how to dance salsa but sometimes you got some bad teachers and they don't really know what they do so don't they really construct you and one thing i i, I did not know how to do was how to really lead a woman right in the dance so i was so uncertain about that and then later on that was again back in 2017 like 10 years later when i really started learning bachata and really taking that assertive role in leading in the men's position of the dance that is one of the things that was i would say right now most uncomfortable that i can remember because of that insecurity i had back then quick question before i i answer for shanluk uh, from tevin here if you're always in discomfort So when you get back in the comfort zone, does it feel weird to you? Yeah, well, no. Yes and no, because it's 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 not always because you go through cycles. You go through I, I go through, through cycles. I'm usually 
and in different areas, I'm in a state of discomfort because I don't focus on learning in all areas at the same time, right? So for example, sometimes I'm really focused on, there was a time where I was really focused on health and the body and learning about that being in it. And then you experiment with some things and then you reach a certain balance in that area. And then on content creation, I started actually back in 2010, 2012, somewhere like that, right? When you're new, that's another discomfort. And then you get into this place, right? All right, I got this right now. And then even within that, you reach a certain new level of, you know, learning and, and skill. So, but then you get to these comfort levels when you, your skill, competence and confidence increase. And so it is, yes, it can be a little bit weird, but it's always different phases where on the, I would say the homostasis where it's in balance and that state of discomfort of growth. And even those phases have subcategories. So yeah, that's going into that for briefly. So you have balance. Then you have when you really start to seek all the options that there are. Then it's about distinguishing which ones resonate with you. And then it's really about applying an integration. So even that discomfort can be in the those three phases, like we have balance, that's balance, comfort. And then we have seeking information that can be uncomfortable. Sorting out the information can be uncomfortable. Integrating the information can be uncomfortable, but there's still nuances and differences to each phase. So to follow up on that, I guess that the first one or the most recent one that comes to mind for me and to build on the, 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 the stages is acting on it. And one of my biggest I was actually last year, discomforting moments was ditching my friends who was, I was on a road trip with, <laughs> taking a car alone, driving halfway across the island, 400 kilometers alone to meet someone I met on a beach two weeks ago <laughs> and having no idea where they were. Just the, the town. <laughs> that was one of the best but most discomforting situations I can recall in recent memory. So, personal question: Was it a girl who you wanted to yes. have like a romantic relationship with? All right, because <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, wow, ooh, because that, yeah. that's like one of the motivations to travel four hundred kilometers <laughs> in the unknown by yourself. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. I have a bunch of those as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's that's good. That's good. But can we ask if it was worth it, Diego? It was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Now I think I think Ramiro made a very good point. When it's like in your interest, when you're exploring and you want to learn something and you love learning that thing, it it, it makes it so much easier. It doesn't feel really like discomfort because it's something you really want to do and only when you look back at it you realize you're like wait a minute i celebrated my 19th birthday in in china you know those kind of weird things that you, you don't realize like wait i did that but it, it doesn't it it doesn't make sense at the moment because you're living in the moment and only when you reflect back at it like 10 years later like wait that was really really special i should i should spend more time embracing that experience we quickly want to shift a little bit as well about storytelling and how storytelling plays a role in, in your life. 
So can you tell us a little bit more, maybe also from a business perspective, like how companies or brands can use storytelling in a fun way that keeps it authentic, much like this conversation. I mean, if you would like fabricate everything and put all the questions on top of front and then you get like a narrated show. So so how how can you use storytelling for companies without making it feel like we just want to be pretentious and tell you almost perfect story. So please like our product. All right. To to conclude on one thing of the previous uh, section is you mentioned something when when you come from a place of curiosity and exploration, and it gets it. You use different words. You have a different perspective. So it's not oh I want to go into an uncomfortable situation. And then I believe that makes all the great distinct all the distinction in your experience. So just to just final thought on that. Now. Your question here on storytelling, how it fits into, you want to focus more on the, the brands, right? Well, there's actually something that is at the core that it doesn't have to do with story at all. It has to, well, it still does, but it has to do with the identity and the intention of the company. So for example, you have, you have this term, it was, this was in the nineties when uh, you have this thing called corporate social responsibility. And especially when Nike was one of the big ones, when they used to have, they got a lot of bad media attention when they, when shed, light was shed on the sweatshop they had in Asia, right? So there was a lot of, we have to make this right. We have to do charity causes in order to have a better image in the public's eye, in the media. And then what happened, companies don't care about sweatshops. They care about profit. I don't care about little kids. They don't care about the good cause. They just care about their reputation. And that intention is which leads to what they call greenwashing. And so you have those corporate social responsibility activities, and but it's just to have a good face in the media. And with the whole breast cancer support movement, they also call it pink washing because of the pink color of the you know, the breast cancer movement. And they, so they call it greenwashing, they call it bluewashing, they call it greenwashing. And that applies to the same thing as storytelling because when a company does not really care or the people in the company only care about the bottom line, do not care about their customers, their clients, their employees, then that will be reflected. So why do they wanna adopt storytelling in their marketing and in their branding? Just to have more influence and more manipulation. And, and when that comes into the whole story, then you see right through that, that is just someone who wants to have a story because it's sexy and it's hip and it's, oh, a powerful tool for influence that when they implement it there, it doesn't come from an authentic place. Then Now we get into this whole other topic of business ethics and bottom line and, 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 and capitalism and caring for 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 the people you serve or not so that's a whole another doorway and that's so that's like just the tip of the iceberg what my perspective is on your question i want to further elaborate on that because you also have a background in marketing before going the entrepreneurial or i guess during your entrepreneurial journey as well delved a, a bunch of years into marketing in the netherlands moving from place to place and did that come before or during the storytelling and what have you noticed or learned during that period in you know corporate or modern day marketing that you now can translate or defer so to say into personal storytelling 
my storytelling started at that young age when I was insecure and shy. And I didn't realize I was learning storytelling. So around the age of 11, I met this friend. And this friend, he, you know those people when they talk, everybody's focused and listening. And they get everybody laughing and hanging on their every word, right? So I started hanging out with this guy and I started learning from him. The, 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 the ironic thing is when everybody was so mesmerized in his speak and his story, I would not be in it. I would be on a meta level looking at how he does it. So whenever the punchline comes, I go like I'm analyzing and learning so I don't laugh. And that bugged him because he was like, that after school he started following me he, his 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 home is that direction my home is in that direction so he walked with me after school to my to my 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 place in or yeah just because i was one of the few who would not laugh and he, he kind of had this personal mission to make me laugh but so from him i learned influence and it's about communication and storytelling is one of the core things i would say it's it's like the fundamental but i didn't see it as storytelling later i learned oh the storytelling aspects of it so that's kind of my background in that and then when i my entrepreneurial background is my my mom and dad they were small business owners so ever since what age of eight nine ten i was helping in the shop uh supermarket i remember like the vacation days the christmas breaks i i didn't have no vacation i had to you know other kids were out shooting off firecrackers I was in the store selling firecrackers till 10, 11 p.m. Some might call it child labor. I'm grateful for that experience. But so I have that entrepreneurial background from that environment and my whole family. I know so many people who are, are entrepreneurs. I mean, here in Sermon is also often just small business owners who have just a lot of sales, not really like a company. But so that's kind of my background in that and how I got into marketing was I was living in Suriname in 2010 and I said, you know what? I don't want to be dependent on the local economy. So I started looking for ways to make money online. And that's when I delved into video marketing, online marketing, email marketing, being authentic, you know, connecting with people and it's about the relationship and caring about them. The, the concept of reciprocity, this is what Jay Abraham teaches and those concepts and then that's when I was exposed to like storytelling and how you can use that for connection and influence. And that was just an add on to what I was already learning in terms of communication, rapport building and presentation skills, sales skills. So I came to it from that perspective and not from how can I be used? What other tools are there to be more uh, manipulative in, in, in sales, for example. And that's one of the biggest complaints you have of people working in Holland. Now, I never worked in the corporate sector. I have friends who do and work in the government sector. And the pressure, especially the sales pressure that is put, it's just about targets, targets, targets. And they don't care about the customer, the clients, or the employees. That's how you get burnout. You get like Coke addictions in order to have that that, that, that physical energy to, in order to survive in that toxic environment. So <laughs> we're going on to another rant right now, but no, but it's good because that's, that's, I mean, that's very, so do you see the similarity? I mean, when we talk about that toxic environment, if, if you look at the environment here, 
are there any comparisons like for the past months that you've been here or do you feel like somewhat in Suriname it's a little different it is but it depends on the company so for example and again i'm not in that corporate scene i have friends who work there right but like a company like Digicel, right they are international so they have more of that corporate culture where it's more about punctuality and planning and systems but when you look at government-owned companies it's uh, those you know in economic models those are the worst performing companies the government-owned companies and then it's more relaxed the manana manana culture where it isn't that high pressure corporate environment that's the that's the the extreme in the opposite direction where you don't have any standards there's no planning when are we gonna get internet at my neighborhood Ooh, i don't know it depends on the list we have to go through it i can't say right those are simple things that you can plan in but so that's the opposite direction and there's such a big variety here in suriname because of that yeah that culture of if it's government owned and things like that so and i'm not too familiar with the local corporate scene in in suriname so i, I have very little insight on that should we ask Gregory's question now, Diego? Yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead. And then I think that we, we can wind down with some overrated, underrated. Oh, that would be a lot of fun, Ramiro, I think. So, Ramiro, one of the questions Gregory has for you is like, do you have any opinion on the get woke, go broke? <laughs> I So, okay, here's another thing. I am not up to date with the modern lingo and the hypes so i know get woke i don't know what go broke oh so you mean you get woke you go broke oh no that's a whole other topic my perspective on that yes i do see a lot of people who focus on oh no it's all about the spirit and the energy and the physical things don't matter i don't need money i just need air i live on air so that is still i see a misalignment between spirit energy and body right because then they're so focused and living on that delusional dimension of it's all spirit and they're not in the physical body so that is my perspective on that is it is also common that's the extreme in the other direction I mean, you know most most people too extreme on the body and not focus on the energy and the spirit level and then when you get the woke on the spiritual only or the energy only level they ignore that they need to have money to pay the bills and put food on the table so that's my little insight on that i've actually heard of those it's very odd to hear yeah living on air or photosynthesized i've actually heard stories of this from online friends that they actually know people who do that so quite interesting but yeah greg's comment i, think, I that. think that gregory we should get him back in the show to explain this to us once because I, it's it's not just ramiro ramiro is not just you both Diego and I are like, okay, we're not that woke, apparently, because <laughs> we don't know the phrase. I think now it's time to go into something more lighthearted, some fun, quick answers. So we're going to ask you a name of your topics. You tell us if you find it overrated, underrated, properly rated is also an option. And depending on your answer, we can elaborate a bit on it, why you think that is. But okay. I'll kick it off at one. I think... We could do three each, uh, looking at the time. Yeah. Do you want to go one by one, one? Yeah. Let's start with your roots. A Surinamese passport, overrated or underrated? Ooh, it is a good one. <laughs> Surinamese passport, it's unpractical, overrated. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still in the process of getting another passport, so overrated to have that 
pride of being a certain having a certain passport overrated oh, oh, oh okay I, i'm i'm gonna agree with the passport part not not on the pride part but okay owning your own house overrated or underrated depends on what you want for me it is overrated me traveling all the time you can i i what what, what point is there to have a house where i only stay one to three months in the year for someone who settles and they don't they don't want to live anywhere else it's it's pretty handy to have but it's not always the most practical in economic and investment terms so depends for me it's overrated for others i think it's just the right thing to do <laughs> all right cool next one duck duck go i love it it's, it's amazing i use it all the time <laughs> <laughs> Could you explain to people, because most people don't know DuckDuckGo, and I find it very underrated as well, and I'm happy you share the same opinion. Could you explain to us why it is so overrated in your opinion? Underrated, I mean. In your- well, what people don't understand about free services like Google and Facebook and Instagram is nothing is free. Like in Dutch, there's a saying, Need for needs had the sun up. That means the sun doesn't shine for free, right? Even if you don't pay for Google or Facebook, someone else is paying, right? And who are paying? The companies that use their ad platform. Now, your value that you bring to the platform of Google and Facebook is your attention. And they sell your attention to the, to the corporate companies to, to sell you more shit. Google and Facebook, for example, they get they more know, they know more about you than you do. So that is not as handy to have your uh, whole profile. In my perspective, have everything on the Google platform so that they can manipulate you even more. So I still use some Google services, but to have it more diverse. And basically, what DuckDuckGo does is they 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 use your data in an anonymous way so that it isn't to that level of manipulation potential as Google, for example. It's a private search engine. They do show you relevant ads based on your key search history, but they don't tie it to your identity, like your email or your Facebook profile or your address or your phone number. So it is much more anonymous data, which is actually less valuable for corporate companies who want to do advertising. So <laughs> yeah, that's a... Okay, next one. Having an academic degree. <laughs> overrated, overrated, hello, overrated. All right, after graduating high school, I wanted to take a gap year. Here in Australia, people don't know what a gap year is. They go like, what? No, if you go out of the, the, the study flow, you won't be able to get it back in. So I listened to my environment. I went to study aerospace engineering, hated it, wanted to come back, switched to automotive engineering, quit school, came back, went back, stayed, stayed in Suriname for three years, went back to Holland. It took me six years to finish a bachelor. I didn't even do it for me. I did it for the social acceptance for my mom. And so I was really resistant to academic degrees and there's some validity to it like the system is so old the way they train you in the academic sector is to work in the academic sector the skill sets whilst 
80% of the people will not go in the academic sector. So they acquire skills that are irrelevant to what they actually will do and what they actually want. But I will say as well that I am quite surprised in my last course and actually each course that I actually learned valuable things. For example, we talk about corporate social responsibility. I learned that in my academic career. We talked about the whole pinkwashing thing. We talked about cross-culture kids, right? Uh, that cross-culture generation. I learned about that in my <laughs> academic career, you know, and certain, certain things, terms. So I was surprised that I actually learned some valuable things, but you can still learn those things without having the official accreditation of an academic career. So on the education, I would still say it's overrated. Cool. Okay, I'm going to cheat with this one a bit. Content creation, and I want to, to segregate it into writing, audio, and video. Ooh, I love this one. I love this one. Oh, you already know the answer, right? All right. So one is the thing is everybody's different, and everybody has their own medium and platform that they create better on, and they're more expressive. Me, writing, I hate writing. It took me three years to finish my thesis because of the whole writing process. So um, writing is not my forte. I'm very animated. I love video, but I have since discovered the audio only platforms, ah, audio only. And that's because of the current state of the culture and people's behavior. And that is, all right, reading, a lot of people don't read nowadays anymore. So from the consumption point, so first I talked about the creation process, but then from the consumption part, a lot of people don't read. They watch videos, but they're so busy that they don't have time to sit down and watch a video and they don't have it on the background, just playing and listening to it because they want to sit down because they don't want to miss anything. But audio only, and when you optimize for audio only, people listen to it on the run doing apps in the car, in the shower, cooking, in the bedroom, everywhere they can consume audio only whilst they're living their life. So it doesn't intrude, it actually integrates. And then you get actually deeper on the whole psyche level because you're intertwined in their whole life, which, uh, yeah, is another, well, that's why I love because of the consumption behavior patterns of people today is why I see audio only as heaven sent. So to recap, the order would be most underrated audio, then video, then writing for you. Oh, yeah, we were talking about the underrated. Audio is definitely underrated. Uh, video is overrated. And I would say text is underrated because and I, in terms of consumption, because people don't want to always read whilst it can be a very, very effective way of consuming and getting to the core if you have good writers of course so i would say yeah video overrated text and audio underrated nice all right let's finish it off with a final one travel overrated or underrated overrated why because even though i can move around a lot i don't have to travel the world i do it out of curiosity and not just to see the world and have a jet set lifestyle right? And for me, that works. I can easily move from place to place. But other, again, other people, they love having their 
their grounded, familiar environment. They don't have to travel and be a travel blogger, influencer, blah, blah, blah. And so for them, it, it's not sexy. It's not sexy to go to, to, the, to the jungle and see this unique hawk that you only have in Suriname. It's not sexy to them. I don't need to see that bird. I got birds in my backyard, right? So it's, it all depends. And, it's, and why I say it's overrated because of the way the influencers try to market that travel lifestyle in those ads, in that branding of, ooh, uh, yeah, going to Bali and whatnot. And so the way it's presented, it's, it's overrated because like going, like, take, 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 take artists, for example, where they have to do three shows in one day, Italy, France, London, that shit is tiring and draining energy, but that's travel, right? It looks sexy on the outside, but Energy-wise, no, man. stay grounded, stay grounded. And I'm in between. I like to stay at places like one to three months, six months, but not like one week or one day hopping around all the place. So overrated. <laughs> Very good take on that one. Gregory enjoys the talk. He hopes you come back for another episode. And that's a good place to round it off. But as we round this off, can you tell us and uh, the people listening as well a bit about story legacy with Ramiro, what that's about and where they can find it. And then we'll close it off. You can find it on all the audio only platforms. Just type in ramiro.me and you'll find it. My IG, the gram is also at ramiro.me. It's also my website. The website isn't, isn't optimized yet. <laughs> I'm going to change that as well. But you can find me on those platforms, be it Spotify, Apple, Google, po any podcast platform, ramiro.me. And But it's a show is called Story Legacy at ramiro.me. And that is all about story. It's a, a show for people who want to tell their story make an impact and leave a legacy. It's about personal stories from people just like you who have gone through tough shit and came out with a story to tell. We dive into their personal stories and the life lessons learned from that. And I have a lot of guests come on the show to do that. I've, I've got a season coming up in January. I'm going to publish it. I'm already getting some musicians on. It'll be like a music-focused season where I have musicians come on, talk about their story and their relationship with music and how the, and the lessons they learn from that. And I also have my solo episodes where I share my personal experiences and insights on that show. And I'll, I'm also getting into more music, songwriting, poetry. So I'll also be dropping some, some verses, some lyrics, some rhymes on my solo episodes. So that's what the show is about story inside growth and most important most important of all just fun baby because that spiritual growth shit it can be traumatic it can be heavy it can be depressive i believe you need to bring a certain play and lightness to it so that is what i also intend to incorporate in the show awesome you can find him at ramiro.me that's r-a-m-i-r-o.me and that intro that he just gave you can re-listen to that word for word at every episode i still find it fascinating how you recite that every single time <laughs> that's what a true artist does diego <laughs> thanks ramiro for getting on but i i do have one final question sure how would you get ramiro.me ah just lucky baby <laughs> You have to be first mover. You got just lucky. You, you can't plan that shit. You're just lucky. Or, or 
There's still the Ramiro.com. It's an old guy. Well, I don't know how old he is, but he's not using it. He's actually sharing it with other people. And you can negotiate. Up your negotiation skill set level, and you can basically almost get any domain. I believe you can always, there's always a trade. So no matter what domain you want, you, you need to have the right exchange. So the right reason why they would want to sell it, why they want to give it to you, and how much they'd be compensated for that. If you want to get the Diego.com. Yeah, example. maybe the, the, the guy who owns Diego.com would love to own some Ethereum. Maybe Diego, you should, you should try it. You should just try I, it. I already looked for Diego. It is taken. <laughs> yeah, I also got lucky. I also got lucky. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks for everybody tuning in, listening, asking the question, engaging with us. This episode might not make it Saturday, depending on if I make it. If not, it will make it on Monday. But I'm pushing forward to Saturday. I won't be available this week. That's why. But yeah, with that being said, Shanluk, final words, rule us out. And then Yes, just to add on to what Diego just mentioned, we might continue with the afternoon sessions. It's fun. The interaction is there. So we might continue to do our switch it around for the next month, month and a half. That's just for your info. Thank you again, Ramiro, Diego, as always, our viewers, the people that watched in, and also some fun comments. Thank you for joining in, Shireen and Anil Shireen, as well. Anil. <laughs> yes. Thank you again. This was Social Convos, and see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>